0: You're listening to Tulsa Talks, a Tulsa People podcast, Episode 2.8. I'm Anna Bennett. This episode of Tulsa Talks is brought to you by the Tulsa Regional Chamber. Today, a conversation with Joy Harjo, a multi-talented artist, writer, and performer, who's been brought back home by the Tulsa Artist Fellowship. Then Jerry Wofford from the Woody Guthrie Center drops by to talk about the musical lineup for the center's sixth anniversary celebration, April twenty-sixth through twenty-eighth. So let's talk, Tulsa. Action. <laughs> Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu. <laughs> <blah, blah, blah. laughs> Guru Deva Maheshvara. Ooh, there's the kick. <laughs> so yummy. Guru Param Namah. So poetic.
1: You know, that's when things started to shift a little bit.
2: It's a different kind of mentality, I think, mm-hmm. where people are afraid that if we think for ourselves, then we're going to go away from uh, those spiritual edifices. Mm. And that's not it. It's not. I always think, why do we call the creator the creator? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Because it's not it, because he, it's
0: <laughs> not because they sat at a desk all day crunching numbers.
2: And even that can be creative, oh, yeah. as we know. There are people in jail for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> but no there's there's creative there there is creativity there oh yeah that. that's
0: poet, artist, and musician Joy Harjo. Few people have created art across as many disciplines as Joy Harjo, Even fewer have achieved her level of success. The Tulsa native and member of the Muskokee Creek Nation is best known for her poetry, which she writes as a voice of the indigenous people. Since the 1970s, she has published 12 books of poetry, which have won her myriad awards. The prestigious Ruth Lilly Prize, a Guggenheim Fellowship, the Josephine Miles Poetry Award, the William Carlos Williams Award, the American Indian Distinguished Achievement in the Arts Award, the American Library Association's Notable Book of the Year, just to name a few. Her memoir, Crazy Brave which details her troubling childhood and her journey to becoming a poet, won the Penn USA Literary Award for Creative Nonfiction. She reflects on that memoir and the personal history it forced her to confront during our interview.
2: That's what needed to be talked about, is Mm -hmm. how you get through those moments without judgment. You know, I, I came to understand you know why my mother made certain choices, and even why I made certain choices that were not always apparently beneficial. But mm-hmm. then you learn to turn things around. And my father was my father was um, Muscogee Creek Indian, and my mom he came from a very well known family, a lot of tribal leaders and and artists, painters, and movers and shakers in the tribal world. And my mother's people are Cherokee Irish, and come from the my mother's mother was born in Moody's, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. smack in the middle of heavy Cherokee company country and um so then they came together and she was very poor came from um, sharecroppers and they love music and so they got together and they tried i one of my most prized possessions is a photograph of them taken at Kane's ballroom in one of the Kane's ballroom folders when they were just getting together and um but they split up he had a drinking problem and carousing problem he was gorgeous he looked like a movie star and my mother was knockout too yeah. and, and you know then we had someone else there who was not very kind and there was just a lot going on, I think, right. too, perceptually, too, because I realized I was dealing with, as any, as an art, you know, as any human, though, there's always so many levels of perception, mm. and children access those. Children are very aware. Someone asked me, well, what did you learn writing Crazy Brave? And I say, said, well, what I learned is that children, that the perceptions of children are just as immense and real as adults,
0: Yeah. In some ways, sometimes they can be, they can be clearer. Yes. Less, um, less noise.
2: So you have to realize there's a lot of, you realize there's a lot of in conjunctions of behavior going on. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you witness things that you would prefer not to have, you know, you're part of it. Yeah. And you realize there's nothing you can do to get out of it. You just have to weather it. So I was going through that. Yeah. And the art is always, I mean, art becomes a way to move you with a kind of dignity and a kind of love through political stuff, through history, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. through personal through personal stuff.
0: Yeah. And when did you realize that the arts were going to be your, your outlet, your path?
2: When I was very young. I can't, I remember... People would ask me what I was going to do. And in Oklahoma at that time, when I was in the early 50s, the only paths open to women that, that we knew of collectively as mm-hmm. young girls was being um, a bride. Bride dolls were very popular. Yeah. I never wanted one, but they were very popular. <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and uh, it was to be a bride, a mother, a teacher – or a secretary, mm. and then a airline stewardess became possible, and that excited me some. Yeah. Well, I fly a lot, but I said I'm going to be an artist. I had at that point I had paintings up in our house of my dad's mother, had painted. She was a painter, full blood Creek Indian woman, painted and also played saxophone. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and my aunt, her sister, is um, also a painter, and she and I we were very close.
0: So you're almost. Um, like coming full circle with the, the family legacy of uh, creative, wonderful women?
2: I think so. And my mother, my mother uh, wrote songs. She would write songs at the kitchen table and even uh, recorded demos. Mm-hmm. And Ernie Fields, who was a famous band leader here in Tulsa, took one of her songs and did a, an arrangement, orchestral arrangement with it. Mm but uh, all of that ended she had four children one right after the other and and struggled and then eventually had to go to work got a divorce and had to worked sometimes two and three jobs
0: hmm. and as a as a child did you see the the toll that that took on her
2: yes i did that's why i used to say i will never get married never is a dangerous word cuz it always happens it's a magic word i said but you know i said i'm going to be an artist hmm. And I thought, too, being a, I saw looking around me that to be a female artist, to be married was um, treacherous.
0: Mm. At what point did you connect with poetry?
2: I always liked poetry, in fact, in eighth grade. I remember, no, when I was eight, I got books. I liked books for my birthday and mm-hmm. so on, and I got a Lewis Untermeyer book. It's still in print. I have an in print copy of it. All kinds of poems in it, including Emily Dickinson. "I'm Nobody, Who Are You?" And I'm putting that poem in my next, my new book of poetry, "An American Sunrise," because it was because it was such an important poem wow. for me. But I didn't start writing anything until really, well, in seventh grade, we were told by our teacher. Today, everybody write a poem, and every, we're sitting there like a poem. How do we write a poem? We have no idea. Mm. Well, there was an anthology, a state anthology. They wanted us. She was trying to get some of our poems in there. So I don't remember. It was totally unmemorable that I did, my short story did get an honorable mention. But I never had any drive to write. And then when I went to the Institute of American Indian Arts, I never took the writing class, but I started writing lyrics for an all-native acid rock band. But we never did those. But the painter Dan Naminga, he the last time I saw him, and he's done really well as an artist. He mm-hmm. says, "You know, we should have done something." <laughs> he says, "We should have, you know, we." What was the done name something. of
0: your What was the name of your band? It wasn't.
2: I wasn't in it yet because I, I didn't play anything then. Uh-huh. and I was really shy.
0: But you were writing lyrics. I wrote lyrics. Mm-hmm. They
2: were kind of. I don't even have any of them. And then I wrote limericks, crazy limericks, and and I was all, I wrote. A prodigious note writer to my girlfriends. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. we did a a lot of note taking, you know, writing notes, passing notes back and forth. I guess now they text them.
0: (laughs) Did you fold them up and elaborate? We'll be back with more Tulsa Talks, but first, a quick word from our sponsors
3: Tulsa Talks listeners, we love Tulsa and we know you do too. So does the Tulsa Regional Chamber. You might not realize it, but the Chamber is more than 100 years old, which more than makes it a Tulsa institution. They represent 2,000 member organizations and more than 175,000 area workers. As a business-driven leadership organization, their goal is to improve the quality of community life through the development of regional economic prosperity. What does that mean? It means their staff of 75 works hard every single day to attract, retain, and expand great businesses. They work to increase educational access and workforce skill levels. They advocate on behalf of their members at both the state and federal levels. They champion efforts to make our community more livable and inviting. And they promote our region as a vibrant tourist destination. To learn more about all that the Chamber does and to become a member, visit TulsaChamber.com. Welcome
0: back to Tulsa Talks. I'm Anna Bennett. Let's get back to my conversation with Joy Harjo. Joy Harjo's first love was visual art, but there was a moment in college where her focus shifted, transforming her from an artist into a poet.
2: It wasn't until I was at the, um, I wound up at University of New Mexico, and this is after um, graduating from high school a year early from the IAIA being an for a month traveling and I wound up in one of the first all-native drama dance troupes and another reinvention and then going home pregnant nobody knew and 16 years old to Oklahoma living in Tahlequah with my son's father and then we moved back to New Mexico I worked uh, pumping gas in Santa Fe in a miniskirt and we had cars lined up you know and the guy said i was the best worker he ever had <laughs> i liked that job cuz it was outside doing all of that and then i finally got into university of new mexico after all of that so i didn't have the usual trajectory of uh, yeah of going you know yeah. of um uh that most people do and it wasn't until at the university of new mexico i was pre med my first semester was back in art taking painting and drawing classes and photography and i loved that And then the poetry started happening, and I think it came out of being in uh, involved in. I was involved in the Kiva Club, which was the Native Student Club, and Mm -hmm. we were very concerned with Native rights. And that's when I started writing poetry because I think if I look at themes or thematic in my in my work, um, I'm really concerned about justice, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: about that's really been a theme transformation and and then the need for justice for all people to be treated equally it's interesting it just took over yeah and at that point i just said i can't do both i went i remember going in and changing my major and it broke my heart because i love doing art Mm -hmm. because it 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 carried another part of me but i realized at that point that i had to that this was something that almost that was given to me to do it was not i didn't start out saying i'm going to be a poet and yeah. it was not in my plans but it was something immense that had been given to me to do and you can't say no to those right. things
0: and luckily you had the intuition to realize that instead of trying to make it trying to make it work otherwise
2: right and so i i started writing and 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 then i I mean, I was, a, at that point, I had two children. I had, my daughter was born, and I was working and going to school full-time and working. Mm-hmm. And there was no way I could have done both. Right. But to make that reinvention or that change meant that I had, pe- you know, people were worried because most natives, you know, most, and I think probably most people who haven't gone to college, even though my Grandmother and my aunt both got BFAs in art at Oklahoma City University in the very early 1900s. Wow. Yeah, that um, my mother's side, nobody had gone to further education. My Mm. mother had an eighth grade degree. You know, eighth grade, only gone to eighth grade. People were concerned, you can't make a living on poetry. You'd better go take education classes. But I followed... I had. I knew it was what I was supposed to do on some level, even though it didn't always make sense. You know, we need educators. We need people in law. We need people in the medical field. Yeah. What is a poet? You know, what is a poet going to do? When I, yeah, when wow. I was an art major, well, it makes sense, native art, but poetry—they, mm. um, it was that made it a little more difficult. Right, it's but almost different. like
0: you have to prove your value. Yes, when you're not something that's considered impressive or important right. by the culture at large and yet it's the arts are s- in in all their forms are so integral to to I mean to everything
2: yeah to meaning and yeah. what what uh, kind of meaning we carry and mm-hmm. and the dreams and the hopes of people
0: yeah um was was that a complicated? feeling when you I mean here here you are you're saying as a kid you're like I'm never gonna get married never gonna do that whole thing because you saw the way you know your mother struggled in some ways and then when you became a mother how how did that make you feel
2: well the mother thing it's surprising I know is my son you know there's just no question and then my daughter I I was a student but I saw my daughter my daughter came to me in a dream it was one of those wide-awake dreams and, mm. and um, basically foretold her coming, wow. and I agreed. and uh, But it's been parenthood, no, we should have a university of becoming a parent Ugh. or being a parent. That's one of the most <laughs> difficult, it's <laughs> one of the most profound, mm. profoundly difficult and rewarding jobs that there is that we all participate in even as even if we don't have children we there's nieces nephews uh godchildren and, you know we're all we're all responsible for them
1: mm-hmm. and yeah.
2: yet there is to be a parent or anything having to do with children in this culture the overculture of what i call it is the least valued in mm-hmm. terms of salaries mhm in terms of respect, yeah. Elementary school; those teachers should be paid more than college professors.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you think that um, participating in in art making is uh, especially important to traditionally marginalized communities?
2: Oh, of course, mm-hmm. of course. Well, again, it has us understanding. Ourselves in ways, in larger ways, and deeper ways, rather than just uh, the absolutely physical. Hmm. Because ultimately we're spiritual beings. We came in here from another place when you're born, and when we leave, everyone sees that when you see a body that the spirit's not there. And the art comes from that place. Hmm. It is spirit. It is spirit that moves through. I always think, too, of music being almost pure spirit mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you it's, can write it down yeah. and you can feel the instruments and so on but it's that yeah vibratory it's,
0: it's ephemeral like yeah. it, it will never exist in that format in that moment again it's sort of like dance in that way like you can notate dance yes. and be like on this beat you do this thing but the dance itself is um exists only in that particular moment uh-huh. yeah.
2: yeah. yeah so which
0: any, is i think why people like Like get so obsessed with it and chase it so much is that uh, the the at least for me it's like that fleetingness of of creation as you said sort of the the spiritual element almost
2: that's what I love about dance too there's I probably love dance almost more than anything but nobody knows that yeah well I do now
0: (laughs) do you do you
2: dance I do I was actually taking hula for a while but um, I love. That's what I do for my half of my workout. Mm-hmm. Is usually and I improv and do a bunch of stuff. But I love dance. But I, I guess too, we I I wanted to say too about reinvention mm-hmm. is that it's nice to have. You know, it's it's difficult in in this over culture in these times being an artist because we're taken out arts are taken out of schools is not valuable and yet they they um bring together so many skills and mm. you know like dance for instance well you've got to know math
0: mhm yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you got to at least be able to count to eight
2: you've got to know math there's mm-hmm. different shapes formations geometrics etcetera yeah. and, uh, and physiology yeah. yeah yeah you picked up the saxophone at the age of 40 yeah i was almost 40 i was almost. in my very late 30s yeah. And I'd always wanted. I I had played clarinet a couple of, I think fifth and sixth grade, once mm-hmm. a week. I think I only had two or three reads the whole time, which is horrifying. Oh how, God! I'm I'm pretty good at taking a read and and working it till oh. nobody. That's it came out of that time, I'm sure, and using a read beyond what is uh, possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even now. In <Your> Magic powers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even now, but yes, I didn't start. Till I was, you know, much older, and I remember starting, you know, getting on, picking up somebody's horn and playing the, I had them show me the G-Blue scale, and, mm-hmm. I I'd always wanted to play. I always wanted to play saxophone.
0: Yeah. What was it about the saxophone that?
2: It has a human voice. It's very human, and it's air. And, it, and with a saxophone, I can sing like Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which I can sing now, but it's not. I have a different kind of. I have more of a Suzanne Vega type voice. Yeah. Not an Aretha Franklin voice.
0: Yeah. As an artist who's had this, um, you know, and still has this amazing career, do you have any? insight you would offer to to young artists especially who are wondering um what is what is my life as an artist going to be like
2: well it's not easy <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think they probably know that already but there's incredible joy in creation and being part of a community of artists that's a big part too mm-hmm. I mean so much of it is long uh, being alone yeah being alone with your spirit you know, in the trees, the trees, you know, spirits of the trees and all of it. So much of art is being alone. Mm. I mean, even when you're working in theater, which you have a lot of people, other people working there, that, that impulse, you have to, there's a lot of uh, discipline you learn. Mm. I guess that's a big one, too, yeah. is the discipline. Yeah. A lot of people talk about writing, but then you have to sit down and write.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yep. take the time. Put in the work.
2: And then there's just so much addiction going on, especially with the internet and the it can suck your
0: Yeah, there's an awful lot of distractions.
2: Distractions, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You gotta market your work at the same time you're making it.
2: That's right. And then you have to go on to those places because that's how you do it these Mm -hmm. days. And then there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You can go all over the world and back a hundred times in a day. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. It's yeah. We'll be back with more Tulsa Talks. But first, a few notes on the local music scene. Jerry Wofford from the Woody Guthrie Center drops by to talk about the musical lineup for the center's 6th anniversary celebration.
4: Uh, The big part will be music at Guthrie Green, three days starting on Friday, April the 26th. Um, We're going to feature a lot of local musicians that night with uh, Count Tutu and, I know, they're (laughs) so much fun um nightingale will also be playing nice. they're one of my favorites uh, brianna Ride her voice just blows my mind and then the, the favorites around here the red dirt rangers are going to be playing so that'll be a really fun friday night and that's
0: a, that's a nice like varied lineup too. yeah
4: and the fun part for us is to kick things off that night is our um student band program so the kids in that program will be opening the f- whole weekend for us they'll be the first ones to play that day
0: Oh, fun. And what, what age range are these kids? So
4: these are high school kids mm-hmm. that uh, we bring in for our music program. So it's a nice chance for them to ad- advance a little bit more um and to have a big stage to perform on. Thanks. So Saturday, the music will be uh, a great lineup um, that includes uh, Jamie Harris from Austin. She's a great songwriter from there. Um, a duo, Who Dost, going to be playing. And that'll be followed by uh, Grammy nominee Guy Davis, who will be playing some blues for us. Um, After him is another Grammy nominee, Mary Gaucher, and she'll be playing uh, great music from her album that was uh, nominated for a Grammy last year. Um, And to close out the night is a guy named Rami Assam, who is uh, well known in, in Egypt for the work that he did during the Egyptian Revolution in 2011 after the revolution was arrested and tortured and beaten and now is living in exile and is going to be coming to Tulsa to play songs that he played then. And he even was able to connect with Woody's family and uh, took one of Woody's essays and wrote the music to it. So he put his own spin to one of Woody's songs.
0: And that's so interesting how um, Woody Guthrie and... He are connected in that way, both through the the physical connection to the family, but then also sort of the timelessness of sticking it to the man. For
4: sure. I mean, he was standing in the back of pickup trucks in Tahrir Square in 2011. I mean, that you couldn't draw a more direct line between what he did and the things that Woody had done throughout his life mm. and the music that he made. It's a really interesting process because we want to make sure that we have musicians that really embody the work that Woody did and musicians that um, we kind of are familiar with bring all these different kinds of musicians together and not just folk music either. We really want to make sure that we're bringing a variety of sounds and a variety of styles to the weekend so that there's gonna be something for everybody uh, no matter what day you're there. Jackie Vinson is a great blues guitar player from Austin. She'll be playing on Sunday too, and she I've seen her several times recently. And what she does with a guitar and just her overall attitude in and in just kind of joy that you see radiating from her when she's playing is so contagious and so wonderful. So I'm really excited to bring her back to Tulsa.
0: Be sure to check out these great musicians performing at Guthrie Green for free, April 26th through 28th. More information can be found at wittyguthriecenter.org. Tulsa Talks listeners, if you own a business, this is for you. The Tulsa Regional Chamber wants to be your partner in prosperity. With a membership in the Tulsa Regional Chamber, you will be connected to a growing network of 2,000 business owners throughout Northeast Oklahoma. Your company will join the largest business-to-business community in the Tulsa area. At more than 100 chamber events a year, your company can build relationships with potential clients, promote your brand, and give back to the community we all love. Through the Chamber, you can connect to visit Tulsa, the Tulsa Convention and Visitors Bureau, as well as the Tulsa Sports Commission and their programs and events. Whether you are interested in legislative advocacy efforts, becoming a member of Tulsa's Young Professionals, or supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts through Mosaic, membership in the Tulsa Regional Chamber can help you impact our community and build your business in meaningful ways. For more information on how the Chamber can partner with you, visit tulsachamber.com. Welcome back to Tulsa Talks. I'm Anna Bennett. Joy Harjo's poetry has diverse themes as complex as the artist herself. Her ancestry, indigenous values, feminism, politics, individual struggle, and what it means to be human. Now, at age 67, her work continues to evolve. In January, she began a Tulsa Artist Fellowship to continue her exploration of poetry and music. Established by the George Kaiser Family Foundation, the local fellowship selected 27 fellows from a pool of over 700 applicants representing 42 states. Joy's return to Tulsa is prophetic. In one of her very first poems, written in the late 70s, she wrote, Oklahoma will be the last song I'll ever sing.
2: To have a place to do your art is quite incredible or to be honored to, you know, to have a place and, mm-hmm. and a place in an actual physical place and then even a larger kind of place to do your art mm. is is a gift. Yeah. So to get a, to have a Tulsa Artist Fellowship, and so that's a big reinvention. Yeah. Get to have a, a studio, and I'm so thrilled. I go over to my studio and I sit there, I almost cried to, because it's like, here I have a space, you know, it's I'm very happy about the Tulsa Artist Fellowship. And it's made me rethink a lot, you know, about what Tulsa has meant to me. Because when I left here, I fled. You know, I fled because mm-hmm. of, I think, difficult history and how our people came to be here and how we were treated, often treated.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I knew that was part of my father's problem, too, and why his, you know, the heartbreak of yeah. being Native I mean, it's an ancestral lines. trauma. Like yeah, it's... the ancestral trauma. But again, Tulsa—it's the arts too. That—that's how mm-hmm. people know Tulsa too. Yeah. Really is, and that's how any of us know who we are. Really is through the arts. Yeah. We're wearing art. There's designers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> designers. You know, sometimes people say, "Well, you know," they think about artists being, you know, individual artists. Other, uh, mm-hmm. but. If you look around, there's architecture involved, any building that you're in. Mm-hmm. Not all buildings, of course, are works of art, but there's architecture involved. Mm-hmm. There's designers, choices mm-hmm. of color, all these things that you would learn in art classes. Yeah. We listen to music. We listen to um, you even watching the new. You know, there's, there's certain artistic... Mm-hmm. You know all of these things you even can learn. having
0: to sit through commercials, yeah, <laughs> someone had to make those commercials
2: right, and there's design art mm-hmm. you know elements that things that you would learn in art classes, and mm-hmm. it would help you understand this world in a way that you live in more in writing, all of it, so Tulsa gave me a lot of that. I grew up in um arts mattered, and I remember my elementary schools, people were very proud of the arts and Tulsa and the arts. And um, so I'm just really proud to call myself from here, and I'm glad to be home.
0: You can follow Joy Harjo and purchase her work at joyharjo.com. You can also follow her at facebook.com slash joyharjo. This is Joy reading her poem, Break My Heart.
2: There are always flowers, love cries, or blood. Someone is always leaving by exile, death, or heartbreak. The heart is a fist. It pockets prayer or holds rage. It's a timekeeper, music maker, or back street truth-teller. Baby, 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 you can't say what's been said. Before, though, even words are creatures of habit. You cannot force poetry with a ruler or jail it at a desk. Mystery is blind, but wields you to untie the cloth in eternity. Police with their guns cannot enter here to move us off our lands or kill our babies. History will always find you and wrap you in its thousand arms. Someone will lift from the earth without wings. Another will fall from the sky through the knots of a tree. Chaos is primordial. All words have roots here. You will never sleep again, though you will never stop dreaming. The end can only follow the beginning. And it will zigzag through time, governments, and lovers. Be who you are, even if it kills you. It will, over and over again, even as you live. Break my heart, why don't you?
0: Thanks so much for listening to Tulsa Talks. If you enjoyed this episode... Please tell a friend about the show and leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tulsa People or head to our home on the web, Tulsapeople.com slash podcast. There you'll find show notes and more info about our guests and topics. Every episode, we play you out with some local music. This is Red Dirt Rangers singing Woody's Road from their live album called Blue Door Nights, which released in December. The Rangers will perform at the Woody Guthrie Center's 6th anniversary celebration. Fittingly, this song is about Woody Guthrie.
1: And the frightened and the frail All them folks And no one wants to know Oh, the restless, desperate, destitute Was the company he chose That's when I went walking Woody's Road Somehow we got to learn just to let it flow.
0: on the band's website, reddirtrangers.com. This episode of Tulsa Talks is brought to you by the Tulsa Regional Chamber. Original music by The Earslips, recorded and mixed by Mike Gilliland at Augie Reed Studios. Tulsa Talks is a Langdon Publishing production, recorded right here in beautiful downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma.